Well, let's pray and, uh, and uh, ask that you get your copy of God's Word, and we'll uh, be looking at, uh, again, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before your throne uh, humbly. Lord, we, we understand that you've invited us to come into your presence uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, and tonight that's what we do. We're so thankful for the Holy Spirit who prays on our behalf. And so, Lord, many times have said that prayer uh, is one of the few things on this side of eternity where we see the Trinity at work uh, consistently, where the Holy Spirit's praying for us and the Lord Jesus Christ is mediating uh, for us. He is our high priest and where we're able to go into the very throne of God um, through Jesus Christ, having been sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And so we pray for Maggie tonight. Just pray that you would touch her, her body, Lord, that you would just um, uh, give her energy and a, and a desire to, to get up and about, and, and Lord, the ability to do that. Just uh, be with her. Be with Rodney as uh, looks after. We pray for Travis as well as he had procedure done this week. Um, Lord, we also pray for a little Bentley, a little Maverick, that you just would continue to touch their bodies, help them to continue to grow and develop. Be with their families during this time. Uh, Lord, be with those families who have loved ones who are in uh, nursing facilities and hospitals uh, where they can't even visit their loved ones. And Lord, those who are in, in those types of facilities, be with them as they're isolated. And I know they're lonely. So I pray you comfort their hearts and their minds. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us um, understanding tonight, that as we study your word, that truly we may come to, uh, to understand it in a new way, uh, fully, as full as we can, uh, but Lord, that we would better understand who you are through your word, and so we pray the Holy Spirit of God speak to us tonight, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so yeah, so we want to just jump right in. Uh, remember that in, in Ephesians, uh, the beginning of chapter 2, I want to read verses 8 and 9, because I think there's um, what could be considered, it's not a contradiction, but when you read 2, 8 through 9, and then you jump into the section we're going to be reading tonight, there are some people who like to say, hold on a second, this says two different things. So let me reread 8 and 9, and then we jump into uh, our study of verses 11 through 22. Uh, if I'm too loud or too low, uh, let me know, and I'll try to adjust the, the, the sound. Uh, hopefully everything else is running smoothly. Uh, verse 8 and 9 says, You are saved by grace through faith, and this is not... Uh, from yourselves, it's God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. And so that, that's kind of where we concluded the, the last section this past Wednesday, is that um, we are saved not by the works of righteousness that we could do. We're not saved by good works. We're saved completely by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is an act of grace uh, through faith in Jesus Christ that we come to a saving relationship. And, and so I, I just want to kind of put that out there so that when we get to, uh, and it should jump out to you as we begin to read and study uh, this next passage. So I want to make sure you, you see that. So uh, Paul is saying very clearly in the passage before that you're saved by grace, you're not saved by works. And so I just want to make sure you hear that. So verse 11, let's just kind of begin, let me give you an overall concept of what uh, Paul's dealing with here so that as we read, you, you kind of see the overall uh, theme. What Paul is talking about in Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22, is that God had revealed himself um, through, uh, go, go all the way back to the Old Testament, through the, 
through the prophets and uh, the forefathers and to a people, to the nation of Israel, the descendants of Israel. And up until Jesus Christ comes along, uh, Christianity, uh, or excuse me, the Jewish faith is really reserved for one people. And so there's really only two groups of people from within the Jewish community. There are the Jewish people, and then there are the Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. And so Paul's talking about here, uh, living in a world where all of a sudden, these two groups of people, which are made up of, of a multitude of other groups, where they're no longer distinctive. They're not, they're not distinct groups anymore. And so uh, what Paul's not saying is that people don't have identity anymore or that we don't have different cultures anymore. Those are all very important, I think, to all people. Um, our history, our culture, the story of uh, where, we, where we come from. But there's a bigger story than even that. And that bigger story is where do we fit into God's family? Uh, where do we fit into the kingdom? And so what Paul says is there's only one group. What was Jews and Gentiles now becomes one people. And so that's kind of the overall theme. And so as we read it, maybe that'll help bring us back to maybe the, the, the central theme. Uh, so verse 11, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says, So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised. And so Paul says, um, Gentiles, you once were far off. You once were called the uncircumcised by the Jewish people. Uh, in other words, you're two different groups. Like, And so Paul is identifying first the separation that existed, this um, distinction that existed, these walls that were built up. And, um, and I'll just continue. And he says, which is done in the flesh by human hands. The circumcision was done by human hands. This is not something necessarily God desired something physically, but this physical circumcision represented circumcision of the heart. And so having a changed heart up until the first century in Jesus Christ had been pretty much reserved for the Jewish people. Verse 12 says, at that time you were without Christ, excluded from citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. So um, we, so we are uh, 20, uh, 2,100 years away, roughly, from the, from the first century in the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying that up until that time, Gentiles lived in the world without any hope, um, couldn't have any peace, because they did not have a means or a way to have relationship with God. Why? Because the Old Testament prophets were sent to Israel. Um, and the covenants that God made were made with Israel. Now, they were covenants that were made with Israel uh, pointing toward the Lord Jesus Christ coming and completing all those promises so that all nations may be blessed. And so when we read, like, for instance, the Abrahamic covenant, where God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and through your descendants, the whole world's going to be blessed, He's not just talking about Israel. He's saying, Abraham, I'm going to preserve your people. Uh, Abraham, I'm going to be with your descendants. And through your descendants and through your worship of, of the one true God, then all the nations will be blessed. And so Paul is just reminding us 
uh, here in the book of Ephesus and reminding the Ephesians who were Gentiles, right, with, with maybe a few Jewish converts to Christianity. He's really saying, remember there was a time when we were two different people, when there was Jews and Gentiles, when uh, Gentiles had no hope and the Jewish people did have a hope of eternal life and were citizens of Israel. But now, Paul says, the Gentiles have a citizenship in common with Israel. And so verse 13, he just says, but now in Christ Jesus... You who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so here's the, now this, this starts getting good. I pray that, that you, you start kind of seeing your eyes get a little open and, and you begin to see where we're going and where Paul is going with this. We're two different people, we're distinct people. Um, and, and you can choose any two groups of people. I don't, I don't care how you want the poor and the rich. You can choose any group of people. Um, you know, um, European descent, African descent. It doesn't matter. We have so many different things. We have different cultures. But, but bigger than all of our differences is that we've all been covered by the very same blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this covering of the blood um, that, that Christ, through the cross of Calvary, has provided for each of us has now torn down any type of divisions that we might have as people. Um, so we might look and say we come from two different cultures or we come from two different places or um, you can come up with all sorts of ways we like to divide people up. Uh, but what Paul says is there is no division that, that if you are a Christian, then there's something bigger than these divisions we make. And, and that which is bigger is that we are all part of the, the same race in this that we are a new man we are new citizens we are uh, we are Christians and that trumps all of our differences that that is bigger and higher and more important than all the differences we have is that what we have in common Jesus Christ has overcome all the things that this world would like to divide us with all right so then Paul goes on and says uh, so we've been covered by the blood, verse 14, for he is our peace who made both groups one. Now, this is, this, is, this is very important. Don't read past this because this has implications of how we interpret um, the book of Revelations and, and end time things and um, what's going to happen to this group and what's going to happen to this group. According to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, that through the blood of Jesus Christ, he is our peace, um, and he made both groups one, and he has now torn down the wall of hostility in the flesh. And so all those things that we may even hold on to that divide us from one another. And not just one. I don't want to just point one thing out, but there are things that this world tries to use to divide us um, the world would have us to think that if the if the pigment of our skin if our skin is not the same color then then surely there's something completely different about us and yet regardless of the color of your skin there's something way more important than that and that is that you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and if you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ then we're brothers and we're sisters uh, it, it is more important 
that we are Christians, that we are um, children uh, and sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ, then, then those things that the world would use to divide us. And so, man, we can just look, look all around, and our world is a divided place. Uh, it's never been a smaller place. It's such a, a small place. You can hop on a plane. You can be on the other side of the world in, in 13 hours. And, and so the world's become a small place, but it's also a very divided place. And so just Sunday, for instance, you know, one example, if you look at Sunday in America, it's like the most segregated day where we, we go to our own churches, many times based on the color of our skin, many times based on um, our denomination. And what Paul is saying here is, uh, listen, church, if you are, a born-again Christian, if you have been washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, then there are no more dividing walls that stand between um, you and I having fellowship with one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul ultimately says anything this world uh, could use to divide us, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has torn that wall down. Now, I, I want to make sure that, that I make this very clear. Um, what Paul is saying is not that we don't have differences and not that we don't come from different backgrounds. All that's true, and, and that is essential. It's important. Um, I know that I shared with some of our members a while back. I had to apologize uh, because for me, when I, when I encountered this verse, it was very obvious to me that we, or what I thought was obvious, is that we should not see color and we should not see other distinctions and so I basically uh, was going through life trying to live according to what Paul teaches in Ephesians 2 that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and therefore we should not see these other distinctions and and I was just quite frankly I was wrong like that that is not what Paul's saying and it is not the way that we're supposed to um, come together as the body of Christ in fact what we should do is we ought to see one another's differences. Uh, we ought to see uh, the differences in the, the color of our skin, but we ought to see the beauty in our differences. And not that it divides us, but we begin to see that what we all bring to the table from all of our different background, experience, culture, etc., all those things add to the table. So none of those things divide us, but we ought to see the beauty there is in the diversity of God's creation, regardless of whether it's rich and poor, regardless of whether it's the color of skin, regardless of where you grew up. Um, none of those things should separate us, but we ought to recognize the differences we have, acknowledge those differences, and embrace the beauty of our differences. And so... Yeah, I, I had to just kind of like um, apologize uh, for uh, going through my, my ministry up until a few years ago thinking that I was not supposed to see difference, that that was really the goal. And the goal is not to, uh, our goal is not to look at people and not see their color, for instance. We should see their color, and it ought to be beautiful to see the differences 
and the majesty of God in the faces of other people and how there's something bigger than all those things that even uh, make us different. And that big concept that brings us all together is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so all of us are brothers and sisters in Christ. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that should keep us from worshiping together. I, I, I've just, I, my opinion is Sunday is one of the saddest days of the week because we, we, we really divide ourselves off among, away from one another uh, when what we ought to be doing is coming together to celebrate our differences, understanding that it, as different as we might be, what we have in common has overcome those differences. It, it has torn down the wall. So, so now let's place that context here in the passage where Paul's talking. And he's basically saying both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Uh, those things that separated you before. Uh, those things that um, prevented you from coming together as one people, as one group. Um, having one Lord. Uh, all those things have been destroyed. The, the wall that separated you has now been torn down. There, there are no dividing walls because of the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're not Jews. Now we're not Gentiles. Now we just belong to him. Now, now we are Christians, and that trumps any of our differences. So Paul addressed this right up front. I, I want you to know, man, is, uh, that there were problems in the first century. Uh, amongst the Gentiles and the Jews. They did not like each other. Um, you know, that they would call each other, um, you know, words like dogs and, and other things. They did not get along. They were very separated. Um, the Jewish people thought that uh, themselves to be better in the sense that they worshiped the one true God and he had made promises and covenants to them where they could have eternal relationship. While the Gentiles looked down on the Jews, uh, thinking that they... Um, Boy, these people are just uneducated and just uh, uh, have bought into this lie, this temple system and all that. So, so there was some, some ugliness between those two groups of people. And, and just imagine, these two groups of people have gone from no interaction whatsoever unless it's hostile interaction. And now they're all coming to a church house together. Uh, so, so they hated each other, but now all of a sudden... In Christ Jesus, they're coming to the same place to worship. And so Paul is addressing this issue and saying, Look, be aware that those things that used to divide us, they do not divide us any longer. That there is no longer Jews and Gentiles. There are believers. And so I pray that we could apply this passage literally to our own hearts, lives, churches, ministries, businesses, that truly... Uh, we see each other and our differences for what they are, which is um, that they, they are so beautiful to bring together. And just in, just, we have different gifts, right? If we had a church all full of people with the one same gift, it would be an incomplete church. But people all come together to make up the body of Christ, and they're all different, and they're from all sorts of walks of life, and they're from all sorts of backgrounds. And we ought to embrace those differences we have, understanding that they make us better. They make us stronger as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are much better off when we see our differences and we, we love our differences and how they work together for the good of those who are called 
according to God's purposes and how they are used by God in the life of the church um, to take the kingdom of God and expand it. And, and so I pray that, uh, pray that you would see that. Uh, this is just a beautiful passage. And um, yeah, I hope that that would kind of ring true in our hearts that we would see how, uh, how Paul is saying, boy, all those things in the past we couldn't overcome, now we can overcome those things that have been obstacles in the past. Uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we now have the ability to look at one another and to love one another and to know that there are differences we have, but those differences make us stronger as a people uh, and as the body of believers. And so definitely uh, who we are in Christ is bigger than any differences we have. And yet the differences we have are beautiful and God will use those to bring us together to accomplish more together than we ever could accomplish uh, apart um, so so Paul continues talking about um, in verse 15 um, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and express and regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from two resulting in peace and so uh, no, here, here's what he's saying uh, that the very law that God had given to the Jewish people stood in the way of reconciliation. Right? So, this, so the law itself, according to the Jewish people, and, and it was given to them, it, it itself could divide them from the Gentiles. And, and so Paul's now saying, but Jesus Christ in flesh sacrificed himself, became our sin, was nailed to a cross, went into the grave, was resurrected from the grave, ascended to heaven, is one day coming back. And he did all those things so that the law uh, might be fulfilled in him. And now the law was not even a separating thing. It did not separate people anymore. Now through Jesus Christ, we've become one. And, and so, boy, I, I just feel like our churches should reflect the communities in which we live. If we're really going to be uh, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to stop looking at differences and, and, and seeing them and us. Uh, according to Paul, there is no them and us. There's only we. And we are now one people in Christ Jesus. And so we've got to find a way to overcome the obstacles that sometimes we place in front of ourselves and sometimes the world places in front of us. We've got to overcome those things, become truly one people in Christ. And when the world sees that kind of love and sees that kind of acceptance and sees that, that kind of embrace from all different walks of life into one body where we genuinely love each other the way Christ loves us, then that'll be a powerful thing. That, that in and of itself has the uh, potential to completely change the world. And so I, I pray that we would see that. So we're one new man from two resulting in peace. And so now we have the possibility to live at peace with one another. Remember that, that the Lord Jesus commanded us, if at all possible, that we live both at peace with God and at peace with man. He, he then commanded us, the great commandment, that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We're also to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so the Lord Jesus is teaching this inclusivity that we, we ought to come together from various places, from various corners of the world, with various things to add to the church and become one people. 
I, one of the things I love so much about going on, on international mission trips and haven't got to go in a couple years is, uh, and, and so we've kind of planted our feet for a long time in Ghana, uh, West Africa. And one of the things I love is when I go to Ghana uh, on Sunday morning, whatever church that we may go into, wherever we may be um, located, we go into church and we just worship together. Like we don't go in and, and there's, there's distinctions and because we, we look different than most of the people in the church that things are, that were treated, it's not. It's just this beautiful picture of people coming from different parts of the world who completely look different on the outside but are completely the same. We're, we're just God's children. And when we come together and worship, there's something beautiful in that. There's something beautiful in it. In fact, it is sometimes difficult for me to come back from a foreign mission field where I have been worshiping with people from um, from different parts of the world uh, where people look completely different from one another in the church where we speak completely different languages and yet the fact that we are believers transcends all those obstacles that may seem to be in front of us when it comes to worshiping together and, and so this is exactly what Paul's saying is now that Christ has fulfilled the law tearing down the dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles, between those who were uh, children of the promise and those who were children of wrath. Now, through Jesus Christ, we are all um, children of God, and we're no longer distinct people group. So according to Paul, Jesus no longer looks at the descendants of Israel as the Jews and to us as Christians. He doesn't look and say, oh, those are Jewish Christians and these are European Christians and these are American Christians uh, when Jesus Christ looks he only sees one group of people and that is Christians that's exactly what Paul is saying now there's peace where there was two there's now one verse 16 he says uh, he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death listen uh, there's a lot encompassed in the statement, um, Tetelestai, um, the Lord Jesus on the cross says, it's finished. And there's a whole lot that Jesus Christ finished on the cross. There's a lot to the finished work of the cross of Christ. Uh, and one of those things that has been finished in the cross of Christ and the empty tomb and the return of Christ one day is division among people. God has taken two people and brought them into one group and it has been completed and finished on the cross of Calvary. Now, Jesus does not need to do anything further for us to come together regardless of our differences. It's already been completed. It's already been done. It was nailed to a tree 2,000 years ago. The very cross of the Lord Jesus Christ has completely destroyed any division, any hostility that people have had toward one another if they're able to come in Christ to this place of peace that Paul is not, not just encouraging, but actually demanding of the church. 
Paul's not saying if you feel like it, if, if your people feel like inviting people from outside to worship. With That's not what Paul says. Paul just says, this is a matter of fact that Christ has taken two and made one. And there's no going back. And there's nothing we can do to change that. It, it has been done. It is good. It is a beautiful thing to see. Uh, the body of Christ is, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. How we come from every part of the world. How we've been all raised with different backgrounds and in different cultures. And yet at the end of the day, according to Paul, in Jesus Christ, we're one people. We're one people. Verse 17, Paul says, he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. So this is just the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. The, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is for all people. That, that's all Paul's saying. Uh, what Christ came and proclaimed, what Christ did and accomplished on the cross, what the empty tomb means to one group, it means to all groups. Uh, we are one. And so that the message has been proclaimed to those who were once far away from God as well as those who are near to God. There is no distinction to the Jew and the Gentile. Now, one. Verse 18 says, For through him we, have, uh, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And so there is no favoritism. There is no uh, hierarchy, so to speak, because of the price that Jesus Christ paid um, our, our high priest now at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, we all have the same access to God. Uh, we all have the same high priest in Jesus. Uh, we all are, um, if, we're, if we're believers, if we're Christians, we have all been given the Holy Spirit of God. And it's the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And so we are without excuse because we all have the same spirit. And it's, uh, it's just amazing how we, we divide ourselves, especially in this country, on, on Sunday mornings. We are just divided into a thousand different groups of people. We can't even hardly get along enough to come together and worship together. And, and Paul has been telling us there's only one group of people. There are believers. There used to be Jews and Gentiles, but now that wall, that, that wall that was separating them, in fact, the law that had to be fulfilled in Christ Jesus that was accomplished through the cross and the resurrection uh, and the promise of his return, that is sufficient. It is finished. Uh, Christ has already overcome the divisions of this world, and so we can overcome the divisions of this world. In fact, we have no excuse not to be a living picture of what Ephesians 2 says the church should look like. And if our churches don't look this way, then we need to be asking God very seriously, God, what is it you would have us to do? Because we know that it's pleasing in your sight for us all to be one people, to come together, to be unified in Christ. And uh, this is one of the discouraging things um, amongst Christianity in America is we just look, it's almost like we look for anything we can find to divide us further. It's just like we're looking for something that will, we can isolate ourselves from this group or, or this group over here can go there. Uh, and when the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross was to overcome the very things that we still continue to practice. And it ought not be that way. 
verse 20, or verse, verse 19 says, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. We're all family. We're all part of the same family. We're all children of God. We've all been bought by the same price, the blood of Jesus Christ. We all have the same blessed hope of the return of Christ. There is nothing that should get in the way of us being at peace, loving one another, worshiping with one another, seeing our differences but embracing our differences and recognizing the beauty that is found in the diversity of the body of Christ. Friends, if we can't do that, we can't really worship. I don't know what we're doing when we come together, but, it, but if we're coming together, isolating ourselves off, dividing ourselves off, then we will never be able to truly worship God as God desires the body of Christ to worship. And that is where there are no divisions, where we all are the same citizens. We are all the same family. Um, it, it's really past time, way past time, that we begin to treat one another like the brothers and sisters that we really are in Christ. And that is more important than anything this world may try to convince us or tell us or hinder us with. Uh, verse 20. Uh, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. So this is, all right, uh, God sent the message first through uh, the fathers of the faith and then through the prophets. Ultimately, the, all the prophets and, uh, and the covenants of the Old Testament are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And because of that, Christ Jesus becomes the foundation by which we become one people. So make, make sure you, you hear this. Um, how can people that come from um, various backgrounds really come together unified without any types of divisions? Uh, how can we come together uh, with so many differences maybe in our past and be able to overcome those obstacles so that we can really be the body of Christ that we've been called to be? And this is the answer. We don't build it on our foundation. We don't build it on our um, our goodness we don't build it on our good intentions we don't build it on our righteousness we don't build it on our works in fact it's all built on jesus christ as the foundation and the cornerstone of us becoming one people and so all these divisions got to go right all, all these all these things that we use to 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 distinguish us from one another they've got to go according to ephesians uh, and according to what Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, Jesus Christ died for the very thing we're taught, for, for this very reason that he might be the foundation by which we can come together as one people in Christ. No longer divided by culture or language. No, we've been brought together by Jesus Christ. And that is, that, that is much more important and that is much uh, higher of a calling than any of the differences we might could find with one another. And so th this house we're trying to build, this building we're trying to build, where there's no longer Jew or Gentile or any other distinction the world would like to label us with, this building, it's all being put together by God, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. In fact, verse 21 just says, 
in him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you're also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. And so all the, all the work that the Lord Jesus Christ did, all that he accomplished on Calvary, the empty tomb showing that he accomplished what he intended to accomplish, the Holy Spirit raising him from the dead, us being given the Holy Spirit of God and dwelt by the very Spirit of God, there is no excuse for us to come together without dividing walls. We ought to be able to do that. We ought to be able to come together as one people. Now, I told you that... Um, that I've just had to, like, I've had to um, just apologize to, to people over the years and just say, I apologize that I haven't recognized our differences and seen the beauty in our differences. And so, so I was just, again, I was just taught. And, and I felt like when Paul write, uh, was writing to the Ephesians here that, um, that Paul was saying, for a long time I really felt like Paul was saying, uh, we shouldn't see color. We shouldn't see uh, language barriers. We shouldn't see these things that divide us. When in fact, that's not what Paul's teaching at all. In fact, what Paul's teaching is, yet we should see one another's differences. And we ought to see the beauty in our differences. And how each one of us adds value to the body of Christ. That's really what, what the Apostle Paul is saying. In the first century, the division was the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, and that division was overcome because the, the early church built the foundation on Jesus Christ. And so is this possible? Is it possible um, that we can weather the storm of divisiveness in our country? Man, I don't, I don't know that I've ever lived in a more divisive time. I can remember when I was when I was a little younger that, that there's always been a sense that we don't all agree with one another. And it doesn't matter what we're talking about. I just, and it really doesn't. It seems to be every single issue that divides us in this country today, in the, in the world today. It used to be that we could disagree with one another. We could come together. We could talk about our differences. And even if we, if we left the conversation still disagreeing, there was this mutual respect and adoration toward one another. And we live in a time today where there is no mutual adoration or respect for one another. It is either you believe the way I believe or you're on the same side I'm on or you're my enemy. And uh, friends, that's just not that there's nothing that can be further from the truth. We can, we can all have um, differences of opinions on, on, on various things. I'm not talking about necessarily Scripture. I just mean in life in general. We can have different vantage points. We all come from, from different ways so that we look at things differently. And there's value in that. There's value in being able to see things from all different sides and from uh, very different angles. Uh, it, it, that better gives us a picture of the the true situation, the true circumstances, right? It, it seems like we, we either get things from one perspective, which is completely to the left, one perspective completely to the right, 
And we never get a vantage point of, of probably where things really are, which is probably somewhere between those two things. Um, and we just live in a time where it's very divisive. And Ephesians 2 ought to give us hope. We can overcome the divisiveness. If we build our foundation on the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then we certainly um, can withstand the storm uh, of division in our country. We, we can begin to stem the tide. We can begin to have discussions again rather than simply yelling over top of one another. Um, we can come into God's house and really embrace one another's differences and what we add to the table. And, and so, again, this is one of my, my favorite passages uh, in Scripture. Now, there's some implications to this. Um, so, I, I, I'm not going to get too deep into this, and, and I'm going to close out, but I just want to... The implication, then, is... Um, that there are no longer Jews and there are no longer Gentiles. They are just Christians. And, uh, and if God looks and he sees only one people, his children, uh, who have um, come to, to faith um, through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross, um, then that directly impacts some, some different views people have about things like the book of Revelation. And, uh, and what is the role of the Jewish nation or, or the Jews and, and then um, the Gentiles uh, in books like Revelation. And it's just, I think you have a really hard time uh, confronting Ephesians 2 where it's very clear that there are no longer distinctions between these two races of people, these two groups of people uh, with various backgrounds and, and, and their divisions. They're no longer two in two distinct people groups. Rather, they are one people now. And so I think when you embrace Ephesians 2 uh, in your own personal walk with Christ, you're going to also then have to look at some other um, areas of, um, of doctrine you have or ways you interpret Scripture and make sure that you're interpreting it consistently. And, um, and what I mean by that is just that... Um, if it is true that there is no longer Jew and Gentile, but just one nation, one, one people, one person, and that is the believer, the Christian, then that's going to have some impacts on the way we view other things. Uh, and again, listen, um, there are, there are going to be times when on non-essential things, uh, we don't always agree. There's a million and one different views about the end times and about the book of Revelation. And uh, here's what I, I know for sure, that we all believe in common, that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming for his church, that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to establish an eternal kingdom, and, uh, and we're going to be able to, um, to reside in, um, in paradise that was lost in Genesis 3, now um, reconciled with Jesus Christ on the throne. Um, we have differences... Uh, in, in, in small details about how it's going to look and when the Lord's going to come back and what's going to happen to the church. Uh, and I would just encourage you to listen that if it's not an essential teaching of the church, we cannot disagree on Jesus Christ being the only way to a relationship with God. We have to agree on that or we're not Christians. Um, there are some things we may not see eye to eye on that do not impact um, our standing before God as, as sons and daughters. 
And in those areas, what I would really encourage you to do is let's be a gracious people and let's show grace to others. Um, let's exhibit the grace that God has given and extended to us, to other people. And, uh, and if we can begin to get to a place where we can be gracious to one another and love one another, um, then we can really see the church of the Lord Jesus Christ strengthened and, and we can see uh, a world in which people look at the church and because of the love we have for one another, um, their life begins to change as God works in and on their hearts. Well, I pray that, um, I pray that this, this time we've spent together has been um, enlightening or that it's been encouraging. Um, it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. There, there's no way uh, setting down in one face, uh, FaceTime Live Bible study that we could really get to the root and the heart of all the implications of Ephesians 2. Um, but boy, let's be encouraged. Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, it, it's time that we come together. It, it's time that we, um, that the division walls that Christ died to destroy, that we're not the ones building those walls back. And that's my concern at times, is it seems that um, the walls that Christ destroyed, it sometimes seems it's the church that are building the walls back. And, and so let, let's just begin to pray and seek the hand of God of how we can come together in such a manner that it brings glory and honor to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me pray for you. And uh, I, if you've been encouraged, then I encourage you. Um, share the study with someone who may need it um, uh, that, that's going through some times. Uh, I just pray that God can use it to encourage um, others out there, to, to encourage our church members, our, our Facebook family. Um, and so um, know that you're in our thoughts and our prayers. And, uh, and so let me pray for you, and then we will uh, we'll end our message tonight. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful uh, that your cross and your empty tomb, your ascension to the right hand of the Father, and your return one day for your people has all taken place that we can come together as one people as one body of believers as as the people of God as the the children the sons and daughters of almighty God through Jesus Christ Lord help us to be able to build your church and what it should look like and how it should act and interact that it's built on the foundation of Christ because all other foundations will crumble but the foundation where the Lord Jesus Christ is the cornerstone is everlasting. And so I pray that you encourage us to embrace the differences we have because our differences bring value to the table. And that's what we need as the body of Christ. We need all hands on deck. We need, we need everybody working if we're going to reach a world that's lost and dying and on their way to hell. And so I pray that you would give us clarity as churches, as communities, where our churches reflect the world around us. Where people see the church and they see a microcosm of our community. Where they see our love for one another and there's no explanation of this world that can explain it. 
but it'll be something that will draw others to you because, Lord, we love one another, but it's only because you first loved us. I pray you be with all those who will watch this Bible study, whether it be live or later on. I pray you speak to their hearts and minds, and I pray that when we leave this study, that you continue to speak to us. And Lord, our prayer is that we would become more and more like you each and every day so that others might see you in us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.